Good morning, Glad Tidings. How are you guys today? Awesome. How many people um, start off the new year uh, with a new year's resolution or something like that? You try to change something in your diet, raise your hand. Wow, no, hardly anybody. Let's try that again. Just fake it. Pretend like you do. So one time I tried, right? So Chris and I, um, she said, hey, I want you to try this diet thing. It's not a diet, it's a lifestyle. Um, and it's a 30-day staying away from sugar and fried chicken and carbs and basically anything good in life. And, and so we tried this and I honestly did really well. You know, we finished after 30 days and the goal is to kind of make this part of the way that you live your life. And so, um, but the girl scouts came to the door. And so I, I love thin mints and there was a box of thin mints and honestly, she hid them away. She had purchased them during the whole 30 and hid them away. And I, I found the box. And so I started with three, I ate three and then I went and got five more. And finally I just said, listen, this is who I am. I ate the whole sleeve. So. There was a time, you know, we're doing this thing called near and far. There was a time where I was near to being healthy and now I am far from being healthy. It just feels better anyway. So, so, uh, we have been talking about near and far. And I think in the context we've been using it, basically it's those who know Jesus or are near to Jesus and those who don't know Christ are far away. But in our approach to this and in, in the approach that I wanted to, to bring this Sunday is the idea that there are times in our walk with God that we can bo- both be near and far. And what I mean by that is this. Listen, when, when God, when you accept Christ, he takes up residence in you by his Holy Spirit. Okay? So the Bible promises no matter what you do or say or anything like, like that, he doesn't leave or forsake you. He is with you. Okay? You may not always feel him, but he is there. But there are times when God brings you into a situation or a circumstance that you don't have his mind in something. And very often we, in our approach to community, we are walking by situations that God wants us to step into and we don't. And so though we are near to him, we are far from what he wants to do in our community. And so I want to preface this message because I, I kind of struggled a little bit in this, in, in the first Uh, service. This is kind of a life message for me. You will always hear me talk about possibility. You will always talk, uh, hear me talk about what God can do in you and through you. Uh, You will always hear me talk about purpose. You will always hear me talk about uh, what I feel like God can do in your life. Why? Because that is the story that I've walked out. You guys don't know where I came from or what I was like or what I was thinking. I didn't know a lot of the stuff that I, I preach on. I didn't know anything about it. And so it has been over years that God has begun to reveal a lot, a lot of these things to me. And it, now it's the only thing I can see. Have you ever gone to a car dealership or you park next to a car and there's a car that you've never seen before? And then... For the rest of the day, you notice these cars are all over the highway 
or the road, right? It's kind of this principle. God begins to open your eyes to things that he wants to do or he wants to say or he wants to show you, but you've never seen or thought this way before. And so God is really good about opening our eyes to things. And so in the concept of near and far, my wife knows me. She knows the good and the bad, right? But I'm, I may not know, coach, stand up. I, I know that he's going to protect me. I know that he's faithful every Sunday, but there are some things that I don't know about him, right? So we know each other, but in some ways I'm still far in understanding everything that goes on in his life, right? So that's kind of the principle, thank you, that we're talking about today. God is constantly going to bring you into situations and circumstances that though we are near to him, we may be far in our thinking. Everybody with me? All right. So I'm going to need your help in preaching this today. Um, honestly, the first service was the hardest message that I've ever preached. So we're hoping this one's going to be different. All right. So let's uh, put on the screens. We've got two sets of scripture verses that we're going to go through this morning. Both are on the feeding of the 5,000, that miracle. This is an important, uh, group of scriptures because it is one of only two things that were mentioned in all four of the gospels. So Matthew 14, 13 through 16, let's read. It says, when Jesus heard it, he departed from there by boat to a deserted place by himself. But when the multitudes heard it, they followed him on foot from the cities. And when Jesus went out, he saw a great multitude and he was moved with compassion for them and healed their sick. When it was evening, his disciples came to him saying, this is a deserted place and the hour is already late. Send the multitudes away that they may go into the villages and buy themselves food. But Jesus said to them, they do not need to go away. You give them something to eat. John four or John six, four through nine says, now the Passover, a feast of the Jews was near. Then Jesus lifted up his eyes and seeing a great multitude coming toward him. He said to Philip, where shall we buy bread that these may eat? But this he said to test him for he himself knew what he would do. Turn to somebody and say, don't you, aren't you glad that God knows what he is doing? And then look at that same person and go, cause you know, you don't. Verse seven, it says, Philip answered him 200 denarii. That is 200 days wages worth of bread is not sufficient for them that every one of them may even have a little bit. So we're talking about a huge crowd and Philip answered him. Oh, sorry. And then one of his disciples, Andrew, Simon, Peter's brother said to him, there is a lad here who has five barley loaves and two small fish, but what are they among so many? Let's pray. Father, we ask for your grace. And we ask Holy Spirit that you would speak to every heart, regardless of where they, where they are in the spectrum of where they walk with you. Some don't even know you. Others have been walking with you all of their life. And I'm praying that you would speak directly to them, help them to see what they've never seen, help them to know you in a way that they've never known you open their eyes to the possibilities of what your kingdom and your power can do in Jesus name. Amen. So this message is near and far, and the concept is this, a shift in thinking, a shift in thinking precedes a shift in culture. A shift in the way that you think can shift what you can do and accomplish in the culture around you. Now, has anybody ever been uh, uh, around somebody who is moody? Don't raise your hand, Chris. Moody and frustrated and angry and negative in your job or in your family. Don't raise your hands too high. 
but you've been around somebody and it's like, oh gosh, right? And everybody that they're around, it's kind of like, oh, and have you ever been around somebody that, man, they were positive, they were encouraging, they believed no matter what it was, they could believe the impossible, they were, and, and right, it changed you. Because you, when you're around them, you tend to pick up on what they're laying down. You know what I'm saying? Right. So um, the way that you think actually begins to determine what you see. And so look, we're going to take you through um, these set of, of scripture verses. So Jesus was moved with compassion. This is really important. So his friend, John the Baptist, had just been beheaded. And so you can imagine on a very personal human level, he is affected. He is mourning. Right? Even though he probably had an idea that this might take place, he is mourning the loss of his friend. Uh, the disciples also are moved with compassion, but the way they treat the situation in front of them is different. Right? What is, what is the only idea that they can think of is send the people away. Right? 20,000 people probably in front of them. They don't have any money. It's getting late. There are no stores nearby, right? They've got to send them away. So send the people away. And then it says, uh, Jesus says, listen, we don't need to send them away. You give them something to eat. You give them something to eat. And you guys know, like I do, you ever thought that you could do a little better job of being God than God? You know the disciples right there are going, oh, Jesus, that's so awesome that you want to do this. But this is not going to happen, right? And this is one of those moments. And then he, he, he says, you guys do something, 20,000 people. And then he gets a little more personal. And he goes up to Philip and he goes, Philip, what do you think we should do about this? What are you, Philip, going to do? And... I, I love the concept. For me, I think he turns to him and goes, hey, what do y'all think you're going to do? And don't you hope Jesus uses the word y'all? Man, when I get to heaven, I really do want to hear, hey, y'all, what's up? Oh, me. So he gets a little more personal with Philip. And he's wanting them to look at the situation. And he wants to know what they think. And why does he do this? Because the way that you think will determine the action that you choose to take. And when you can't see a probability of something taking place, you'll dismiss it. So sometimes in our approach to community and the issues and the problems that we see, if in our mind we can't see the way that it's going to work out, we step back and don't have anything to do with it. And as the church, we are supposed to be leading the way in, in community and solving problems and that, that's part of our responsibility. So a shift in thinking precedes a shift in culture. So a shift in the way we think will affect the way we interpret, the way we interact, and impact the world around us. Everyone here is, is responsible for how we interact in community. The Bible says that we are his ambassadors. We are his representatives on the earth. We are God's disciple makers. And how many know disciple making doesn't always take place after conversion. Some of that is happening at your job right now. They don't know anything about God, but you're discipling them because of God in you. You're showing them a picture. And so Ephesians 2.10 says this. We've, we've seen this multiple times, but you have to get this concept. We are his workmanship, his poema, his poetry, his written word to the world. We are his picture. 
And it says we were created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. That we should walk in them. But if we can't see anything to be done, it doesn't mean that we're going to walk in them. And so my question, listen, I know I challenge you guys all the time. But I'm, I'm saying there are things that God has already ordained before you were even born that you should walk in them. But you have to begin to notice and see what needs to be done before you can walk in them. So how many have ever felt overwhelmed by what is taking place in the world around us? Raise your hand. Three people. It's incredible. This is a very strong church filled with faith. It's awesome. So sometimes God wants you to realize where you are in relation to him by uh, how you would handle a situation. What do you see? And then there are times that you begin to discover how well you know God by how you handle a situation. Sometimes God is testing you or allowing you to find out what is in your heart. So God shows you the issues in your community. And the question you have to ask is what is God, what would God do? And then what should I do? God shows you the brokenness in your community. That can be your relationships in your family. That can be at your job. That can be your neighbor. That can be somebody who um, has lost their job or they're going through a difficult time. What would God do and what should you do? The situation is way beyond what you think anything can happen or anything good can come from. What you're supposed to ask is, God, what would you do? And what should I do? A shift in thinking precedes a shift in culture. So God loves to bring us into seasons and challenges where we are both near and far. The disciples were with Jesus. As a matter of fact, they had seen Jesus perform or they had performed miracles because God had given them power over demons and infirmities and sicknesses. So they're not just a group of people, you know, not seeing the power of God. They had just seen miracles but God brings them to a situation where he wants to show them something different. They had never seen a multiplying of food miracle. And a lot of times God will bring you into a situation to show you who he is, what he can do, and he wants you to participate in it. So God loves bringing you into tension of asking you to do something in which you need him because you have not been this way before. Right? So God asked Philip a question. Now, how many know that when God asks a question, he doesn't really need the answer. God already knows the answer. Philip, what are you going to do? The Bible says he already knew what he was going to do, but he wanted to test Philip. Well, it's kind of like being in marriage. How many know that when your wife asks you a question, she too has an answer that she already knows? Jason. Are you planning on wearing that in public? <laughs> what she means is you are not wearing that in public. And if you do, it's not with me, right? So, but men too, men are very just, they're very simple minded creatures. And so if a man asks you, are you going to eat that? What he means is, are you going to eat that? Because I want to eat that, right? Men are very simple. That's who we are. We mean what we say. So 
God is asking the question, not because he needs information, because he's wanting to know, what do you see? What do you see? Near and far. Philip is near, but in his mindset, he's far. Because he can't comprehend how in the world we can take care of all of these people and feed them. There's another example in Luke 5. It says Jesus is teaching. And he's teaching in front of the Pharisees, teachers of the law. And it says that the power of God was available to heal. Right? And all of a sudden, these four men tear off the roof. And they lower their friend down through the roof, a paralytic. Jesus touches him and heals him. One group of people could see that God could heal, another group missed it, near and far. And there are times in our lives where, man, we seem to be, we have faith, we can believe God for something. In other times or in other areas, we don't seem to be able to believe for that, near and far. And so when we look at community, we look at all the things that are taking place. And I'll give you a couple, a couple of examples. It says, there is no way we can have racial reconciliation. 300 years. A lot of systems put in place, a lot of overflow, a lot of fighting, a lot of, there's no possible way. There's no way we can bridge the gap to the homosexual community. It's impossible. There's no way. There's no way we can truly help the poor in our city. No way. There's no way we can reach this generation with the gospel. More and more people seem to be leaving the church. They don't have a, uh, a biblical worldview. More and more people are becoming agnostic, right? There's no way we can reach the city. There's no way that that person can change. We've all said it. There's no way that my spouse could change. There's no way that I could go and I could pray for a stranger or I could give them a word from the Lord or I could encourage them. There's there's no way. God loves to put you in a position where you feel the tension. You need to do something, and he needs to be something in that moment. Um, 2017, I, I asked the Lord last year, what is the year 2017? Give me a word for 2017. And for, for me, it was risk, to be willing to take a risk. And so a risk is not just this uh, random, you just spur of the moment, you just act out on something emotionally, you actually, it's calculated. You think through and you decide, no matter what situation comes up, Lord, I'm going to step out beyond my comfort zone and try some things. And so everybody in our ministry and youth, all of our leaders had to sit down and they had to write down four risks that they were going to take through the year. Four. And so they had to write down, okay, this risk, and then they had to write down, and this is the reason I'm afraid to take the risk. And then they had to write down the scripture verses that contradict that lie that is keeping them from stepping out. And here's the cool thing about this. Not only are our leaders beginning to take risk, but our student leaders are beginning to take risk, and people in the ministry are beginning to take risk. Why? Because the more you begin to talk about something, the more you begin to look for it, the more opportunities that are there. Because it's not just about the risk. It's about creating a culture. 
A shift in the way you think will shift the culture. I'll give you another example too. For me, I believe we live much lower than our personal uh, ability. So I believe even if God didn't intervene, which he does intervene, but even if he did not intervene, I don't think most of us are walking out a life that is uh, filled with promise. Most of us every day could go and impact one life for Jesus. Really simple. You pray for somebody, encourage somebody, give somebody some money, invite somebody to church. Stand with them, listen to them. Tell them something good about them. The I see in you principle. I see in you this good stuff, right? Everybody in here. Everybody in here. So I believe that we live far below what we're capable of, but then much, much lower what God is able to do in and through us. And so when, when um, we do something called speed the light in, in youth ministry, and, and basically it is uh, we, we give our finances to people who need vehicles overseas. And a lot of times they put a huge tariff on these vehicles. So what maybe $25,000 over here will be $50,000 over there. And so uh, I, I was talking to uh, Toby Schneckloff. He is our um, district youth director. And I said, give me a number. What is a number that challenges us a little bit um, to, to give? And in the past, I think we've given $8,000 and $10,000. And he said, why don't you guys shoot for 15? And I, I got to be honest, I don't know if God just made me this way or if this is just the way that I think. But sometimes I'm really bored even by our goals. I look at $15,000 and I go, we don't need the Lord's help in giving $15,000. We don't. So I'm, I'm going to show you why. So I went, okay, let's look at it from just a mathematical viewpoint. So we've got 140 kids that may give. Let's, let's say 140 kids will give. Let's ask them to give $1 a week. $1 a week. That's nothing. $1 a week. We did the math. It was $5,600. So we did that for $1, $3, $5, and $7. And so the $7 number, basically a meal at lunch at a, a local restaurant, $7, we would raise $26,000. And I'm just going, if we would just, everybody would participate as much as I want the Lord to help us do something. What he's going is, you don't need my help in raising $15,000. Just be obedient, right? But it's not about the number. As much as I want to help the gospel go overseas, and I do, and that's why we're doing it, I want to create a culture. Because what I want is a group of people who believe, yes, God can raise 15 and yes, God can raise 50 and yes, God can raise a hundred. And I want them to be entrepreneurs and I want them to be business people and I want them to be leaders in their community. I want them to be missionaries. I want them to be pastors. I want them to change the way that they think God is not small. He is unlimited. So we're shifting our culture. Don't think with your wallet exactly what we told him. Quit thinking with your wallet. Get creative. Come up with creative ideas. And so now our groups are beginning to think creatively. How can we raise money? What can we use our talents to raise money? Now, sometimes what God wants is not just for God to do something. He's going, you do something. So the disciples were thinking in terms of humanity. 
limitation, the way it has always been, what they know. And they were thinking, right, this is the only thing they have known, but they were thinking wrong. They were near and far. If I'm honest, this is where I live most every day of my life because I live in this tension of what is, but what could be. What I see, but then what God says. Of what I don't want to do, but what God is asking me to do. Of the fight for what is in my heart, but sometimes the lack of urgency that I see in the church. The Bible says that faith is substance. The evidence of things that we don't see, right? It's, it's, it's a substance. Faith, a belief that uh, something is going to happen. It's not a hope and it's not a wish. It is actually something on the inside of you that will come to pass. And there are things inside of me that I've given my life for. I don't just get up here. Ministry's too hard. I'm just telling you. You, you, you don't want to be a pastor. So go ahead and tell God you don't want to be a pastor. He'll make you a pastor. And then he'll use you in the kingdom. But Listen. I, there, there, there's things that God wants to do. There's things that he has placed inside of me. And there's been this formulation and, and this process and, and God getting all this stuff out of me, but placing stuff in me. And now what is inside of me, you may not see it, but I see it and it's going to happen. And so I believe people are going to come from all over the world to be a part of what God wants to do here. We've heard these, these prophecies and we've heard these words that people have given over now generations. And we're at the very beginning stages of seeing some of this come to pass. So what are you looking at when it comes to life and community? What do you see? And what is God asking you to do? Sometimes we have to look at what we have. To find the solution. That's why I love the disciples discover somebody else's lunch. Now, I'm not telling you to go steal something and offer it to God. But, right, they confiscate a lunch and they offer what they have to God. And he blesses it. Now, we spend roughly, think about this for just a second. In your life, for some of you, you guys come maybe an hour and a half uh, to church a week. Maybe some of you guys, four, four or five hours, just depending on if you attend prayer or something. What are you doing with the other 140, 139 hours a week outside the doors? That's your life. That's the opportunity. That's what God wants you to begin looking to say, what do you want me to do? What is it that you need, God? So I'm going to give you, basically that was a conceptual big overview. I'm going to give you some very practical things using the scripture verses we just talked about. Okay. So number one, every day we walk out the door with a potential for God to do anything. You've got to have that mindset. You've got to begin thinking, God, I know that you're the God of the impossible. That means because I have the impossible inside of me, everything I see outside of me is possible. Regardless of the situation. Number two. Who needs something? Every day, there is somebody that needs something. In every situation around you. And sometimes we don't notice it because we're not looking for it. What do you see? It'll always be about people. Number three, what do you have? The disciples found a small lunch. But what do you have? And listen, 
I, I don't care if you think it's quality. I don't, I don't care if you think you don't possess anything. I don't care if you think, well, it's not really that good. It doesn't matter. It matters how you think about it, but it doesn't matter to God. What he's asking for is what can you give me? What can you give me? If he can multiply a lunch, he can multiply whatever you have and whatever you possess in your life that you're willing to offer him. The fourth step is the how. How do we do this? And my, my high planning people, sometimes you shut down creativity because you want to know how too early. The fourth step is how. You've got, okay, We've got a problem, right? What do we have? You offer it to the Lord. Then you go, how does this play out, right? And he gives you steps to follow. But don't ask the how question too early. Number five is the God factor. If you put it in God's hands, he'll use it. I don't care what it is. The good, the bad of your life, if you give it to him, he'll multiply it. He'll use it. The last part is the multiplication. The Bible says in John six twelve, it says this, when they had had enough to eat, he said to his disciples, gather the pieces that remain, let nothing be wasted. I love this verse. It is one of my favorite verses in the Bible. Why? Because nothing that you place in God's hands or in your life will be wasted in the kingdom of God. But the other part of this is whatever you give to God, whatever you allow him to have, whatever you allow him to use always has a ripple effect. You're talking about a lunch, a kid's lunch, five loaves, two fish. And what was the leftover? Twelve baskets. Twelve baskets. Remember when I told you that God is trying to shift the mindset of his disciples, right? Okay, John, here's your basket. Here, Peter, here's your basket. Here, Philip, here's your basket. All of a sudden now, multiplication has happened. A mindset shift has happened. 20,000 people have been fed. God has done his work. And their brain is blown and their mindset is changed. Some of us have made God so small. We place so many limitations on him that we can't see what he wants to do and how he wants you to be part of the situation. Listen, so you know my heart is for you to find purpose. Every person in this room has purpose. Every one of them. Bible talks about it. You've been given a holy calling. The Bible says you have been designed. The Bible says your, your days have been numbered. He has written them out. Ephesians 2.10, you are his workmanship created for good works that you should walk in them. You have to begin to understand that you were put on this earth on purpose, with purpose, and for purpose. You have to. God does not exclude you. Doesn't, doesn't care where you came from. Doesn't care about all the issues. Doesn't care about how you limp through life because of the stuff that's happened. He doesn't care. Gather up the fragments that remain. God can use that stuff in your life. So I, every month we go down to taking it to the streets. We take our young people down there. Taking it to the streets is um, just, it, it's a, a ministry that reaches out to the, the homeless. Okay? You're not going to hear it talked about. It's one of those little things. That they do the best that they can. And Bobby is, is the guy that, you know, we cook uh, breakfast with him and we feed the people. And he, he just gets teary every week because 
We're taking care of who God's called him to care for. And he showed me something that he had written out. There was a a Native American man 10 years ago who got set free from addiction. He was an alcoholic. And 10 years ago, this guy would just go down to 24th and Leavenworth because God had showed him kindness and God had healed his life that he wanted to minister to those people in the same situation. And so he would, whatever money he had in his pocket, if it was $5, $10, he would take it. He would go to the store. He'd buy bread. He'd buy peanut butter and jelly. Or he'd buy hot dogs. And they would give until they didn't have any more. And that's just what they did. They didn't go ask anybody for any money or anything. They just, they they went and did it. And over the course of years, people began to go, began to give to it. Began to, to, to go out and feed the homeless with them. Now they have a building. Now they have all these churches that support them. Now they have all these people that come down and they give clothing and they give food and they support them. He says, never once have we missed a payment. Never once have we missed. And he just gets teary because he goes, man, I've seen God show up in it. And sometimes we go, man, that's great for them. And God's going, but I'm talking to you too. I want to tell this last story um, because I think it's important. I run to a lot of people, 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s, and they feel like that their time has passed. They did something. They made a mistake. They feel like they missed it. They're not engaged. They're kind of going through life instead of stepping out in purpose. Now, studying Moses, and, and there's so many unbelievable truths in the Bible, And Moses was born to be a deliverer from the very early uh, onset of his life. You know, he tried to kill a man that was um, that was mistreating one of his brothers um, and buried him in the sand. And then he ran and hid and and God found him 40 years later. He said, I've heard the people cry out. Their bondage has risen to my ears. It is time now to lead them out of bondage. And so Moses is going through all the reasons why he's the wrong guy. Can't talk. You know, what if they don't listen? Can't you find somebody else? Just all the reasons. And then he goes, all right, God, so if you're calling me, what can you, what, what can I do? What can you show me that will show me that they'll listen to me? And he said, what do you have in your hand? He had a staff because he was a shepherd. He throws down the staff and the Lord just spoke to me and he said, the staff does not represent just the fact that he was a shepherd. It represented his entire life. Every mistake, every fear, everything he had done for the last 40 40 years of his life, he said, give it to me, throw it down on the ground. See, some of you guys, you have so much to offer, so much wisdom. And you haven't placed it in God's hands. You haven't given it to him. And then he says, you know, Moses is a smart man. He sees it turns into a snake and he runs away, right? How many would run away from a snake if you saw one? I don't care what it is. Gardener snake, I'm going to run from it. (laughs) And so God says, pick up the snake, pick it up by the tail. I don't touch snakes. I'm not going to touch snakes. But I know one thing, you don't pick up a snake by the tail. And God said, Pick up what you've thrown down by the most dangerous area and I'll use it. 
See, some of you guys, you're ashamed of where you came from or you're ashamed of what you've done. And God's going, pick it up. Let me use it. Nothing is wasted in God's economy. And I'm, I'm, I'm asking you, I'm just asking you this week that you would go out and you'd begin looking. Just begin to look at your community. Begin to look and listen to those around you. God is going to invite you into his story. And there are things that you possess that you don't even know you have that you can give away. And again, God doesn't need much. He just wants you to offer what you have. Twelve disciples, twelve baskets from one lunch. What if everybody here just offered one thing to the Lord? So I believe this is a place where people are going to come from all over the world. To be a part of this church. It's already happening. We have 50 something nations represented. But what I mean is different. People are going to come for conferences. They're going to want to be part of our culture. They're, They're going to want to go through our leadership pipeline. They're going to go through our purpose discovery that we have. Prayer team, you need to pray like it's already taking place. People who pray for healing, you need to begin praying for those people who will be coming. Faith is all about preparation. God is asking you to look and he wants to know what you're going to do about it. Shift your thinking, your breakthrough, and your purpose is all around you. God made you for more than just doing a job. I'm going to ask you to stand with me this morning. There are people here, you've heard a message like this, I don't know, a hundred times. But this morning is the morning that you need to act on it. Some of you guys, you've never even, you come to church maybe because somebody told you to, or maybe you you came this morning not even understanding why you're here. I want to tell you that God loves you. Jesus died for your sin. And he wants you to invite you into his life and his story for you. Don't waste your life. Don't waste this moment. I don't care what you've gone through. I don't care what's happened to you. Man, God knows how to redeem. He knows how to heal. He knows how to restore. He knows how to use your life for his purposes. Father, I pray for the men and women in this room. And God, all over the place, there are people who are broken. There are people who have been abused. There are people that are hurting. There are people who are lazy. There are people who are angry. There are people who have walked away from you. There are people who don't want to hear another message about what they have to do. And I'm praying by your Holy Spirit that you would speak directly to their heart. God, we are a church who's going to be an influence in this city and in this state and in this region and in this world. That is who we are. That is who you've called us to be. Help us to shift our mindset. Help us to see what you can do. Help us to see who you are. Help us to live the life that you've called us to, God. Don't allow us to miss another opportunity that is right in front of our face every single day. You've called us to shift community. I pray, God, that you would heal. I pray that you would deliver. I pray that you would save. In Jesus' name, I'm going to ask the altar team, prayer team to come forward at this time. Listen, don't walk away. If the Lord is speaking to your heart, come forward and have somebody pray for you. Don't miss your moments, church. Don't waste your life. 
doesn't matter where you've come from. doesn't matter what has happened. Allow God to do what God does. And for some of you guys, every single day, you need to give your life away. There's opportunities everywhere. Love you guys. Have a great week.